Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 314. Pretty soon people started asking me, hey, can you help me sell my business? I have a blog or I have a Amazon FBA business. Can you help me find a buyer? Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I am so happy that you're joining me here today. One of the biggest challenges I hear over and over again from women who are considering turning their hobby into a business is that they don't know how to get started. And they question whether it's possible to make money with their products in the first place. Maybe this sounds a little bit like you. You see people all around opening businesses selling their handmade creations. I mean, they're on Etsy, at craft shows, promoting on Instagram. And then you wonder, how did they make it happen? And now there are other questions too, right? Like, how does the pandemic affect the ability to start a business? And are handmade products something people even buy these days? To find out the answers, I've put together a free class for you called How to Turn Your Handmade Products into an Income-Producing Business. In this class, we cover things like the current state of handmade products, how to determine pricing so that you can actually make money when you sell your products, how to find customers who are the perfect fit for what you sell, and the secret to having loyal customers who are going to come back and buy from you again and again. What would knowing these things mean to you? Solid confirmation that starting your business is not only possible, but a good idea? How to determine pricing so that you can make money selling your products? How to find customers who are a perfect fit? And the secret to having loyal customers who will buy from you again and again. That's all coming up in this class, and you don't want to miss it. It's starting soon and totally free. To select a time that works for you, go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. That's giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. Okay, important topic today. And once you hear it, I don't want you to automatically think that this doesn't apply to you. We're talking about selling your business. I know, I know, this may be the furthest thing from your mind. Or you may be saying to yourself that your business could never be worth enough to sell. How do you know that? One of the things that we do very early on within Makers MBA is talk about naming your business. And with that comes the consideration of whether someday you might want to sell. I can tell you from experience that your passion or opportunities might change as time goes on. What if you were able to make thousands of dollars from your current business if you decide to move on to something else? Hmm, have I got you thinking now? Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Chelsea Clark. Chelsea is a content monetization strategist and business broker. She helps investors acquire profitable online businesses while providing a way for content creators and small business owners to have gainful exits from these businesses. Chelsea founded blogsforsale.co, a boutique brokerage and marketplace for buying and selling niche websites, e-commerce sites, and media properties. She's obsessed with the strategy behind growing an online business from growth hacking to funnels to creative monetization. And I'm really excited for us to have a conversation with her because some of us think about selling our businesses, some of us don't, but I think we should enter in eyes wide open regardless of which choice we make. With that, Chelsea, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sue. I'm really, really excited and honored to get to be here and chatting with you. I have a lot of questions for you, as I told you in the (laughs) pre-chat. But before we get started, I'd like to do something with you that has become a tradition on the show, 
and that is getting to know you in a little bit of a different creative way, and that is through a motivational candle. So if you were to describe for us a candle that really would resonate with you, what would it look like by color and then a quote? Well, I love this question. It's so creative. I've never been asked a question like that before. So amazing. (laughs) I would say as an entrepreneur, you really need to be able to burn for yourself because what does a candle do? It burns out and burnout is a huge problem with entrepreneurs especially when you're in that startup phase and you're doing it on your own, you don't have a team yet, you really need to have a flame that burns inside of you. And a big thing that I see with people is when they're getting their business started, they get concerned because their loved ones don't see their vision, they don't get it. Maybe your friend isn't supporting or sharing your posts about your business on Facebook, that sort of thing. And I always say, You have to just focus on what you are doing and believe in your vision and keep on focused on that path. So if we're talking about a candle that represents yourself in business, I would say that you really need to have a wickless candle, more like a centennial light, (laughs) something internal that stays on keeping you focused on your path. And for the color, I would say gold because it's powerful. And the quote is one from Sheryl Sandberg that I followed, and it is, you will be defined not just by what you achieve, but by how you survive. So that is what my candle would be if I was representing myself through one. That is beautiful. (laughs) So creative and interesting and speaks a real truth. And even if we have spouses friends who are supportive of the business, they're only going to listen to you so much talking about the business, right? I mean, at some point, you have to have a community of people who are on a mission, not exactly like yours, but similar to yours. So they understand and get you. Absolutely. And your friends and family, they love you, but they're not your target market, right? You don't need them to be your customers. You don't need them to have your back. It's nice to have that support, but really you just have to focus on reaching the people who will become your customers and your community that you're focused on. Yeah. And the whole burn for yourself idea, so true because those times when it gets harder and you have to really dig down deep in yourself, you have to have that passion. Yes. So it had to have started there for you to be able to access it when you really need it in your business. Because there are always going to be times, (laughs) even successful people, there's always times when you have to reach for that. Yeah, absolutely. Give me a little bit of a backstory about how you got to where you are today with Blogs for Sale. Absolutely. So I started in marketing myself. I went to school for marketing and I was working days building websites and creating campaigns and marketing campaigns for corporations. And I loved the work. I really connected with the projects, but I always felt there's just something missing with the actual job itself, having to go and work for someone else. As much as I love the people that I worked with, I knew I wanted to do something where it was on my own terms. And blogging was something that I just did as a hobby for many, many years. It was a creative outlet, and I never really thought of it as a business. And for a long time, I didn't monetize it. And then one day, I really just put two and two together. If I take what I love and I'm skilled at with marketing, and I put it into my blog content, and I start creating content about interesting products and interesting things that I enjoy, that's where my business could become. So I just went all in. I quit my job. I didn't give myself a plan B and I just made blogging my main focus. And the company that I was working at when I was quitting, it was a business brokerage and I was in the marketing department there. And they were very focused on, well, completely, it was brick and mortar businesses. So selling brick and mortar businesses. They were the brokers in between the buyers and sellers. And I really resonated with that. I found that very interesting. But for me, I was drawn to online businesses. So digital product creation businesses and e-commerce and blogging as a business. And so when I was building out my blog, one day I decided, hey, I'm going to sell it. I put it up for sale. I was able to sell it for $50,000. And then I started doing that. I started creating websites, these little startup businesses, and then selling them for profit. 
a couple times a year. Pretty soon people started asking me, hey, can you help me sell my business? I have a blog or I have a Amazon FBA business. Can you help me find a buyer? And soon enough, I realized that I had to have a place where everybody could come and do this. So I created blogsforsale.co, which is a marketplace and brokerage where I connect investors with content creators and small business owners so they can buy and sell businesses. And it has grown from there. So that is my passion and my thing now. And it's really just taken off in the last year. And it's really exciting to get to see so many people who may have been feeling burnout, like we were talking about a moment ago, or they, their passions have changed. They're just not interested in their business. They don't want to just let it go or let it die out. They're able to sell it, earn a profit, and the business can go on with someone new at the wheel. So that is how I got started. And that's where I'm at now. That's amazing. I have a program called Makers MBA, and it goes through the full life of a business. You know, I teach people how to do that, including the very end. Like, there comes a time when either you have to reposition because your product is no longer relevant as culture changes, or to your point, you're just tired. Like, you, you don't have that initial excitement that you used to. And most of the time, it's because the excitement has gone elsewhere. They're not done with business. There's something else that's caught their eye. That's right. Yes. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation because I feel like, and you're going to tell me because you're the expert, and I'm making a little side angle here. I love that you've seen it from the brick and mortar standpoint and online products and digital online. So you have the whole umbrella of all of it. When do you think people should consider or have in their head what the end goal is with the business? And I guess I'm asking because I kind of feel, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking and then we'll have a conversation around it, okay? Because I want you to understand where this comment is coming from. Sure. I feel like there are certain parts in the development of your business when you need to be considering the end goal, like when you're naming the business, or a couple of other places. So even though that's not even in your vision, because you haven't even opened the business yet, but there are some things to put in place if you do want to sell to make it easier down the road. And now I give you the platform to tell me, yes, no, your thoughts on that. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that for anyone who is building a business or coming up with a business idea, have your exit plan or even just your idea of an exit strategy right from the get-go. So you know you're starting it and you have a plan of where you want to take it, but you go into it with the understanding that things can change, your interests can change, or your business could lead you down a different path. So what are you going to do with this business that you're starting right now? And having a plan for what you intend to do later is just a good planning, I think. And you don't have to have your buyer in mind the day you launch, of course not. But just having an idea, will I run this business until the day I die? Or will I sell this business in 10 years, make my profit, and then put that towards the next step for me? Having an idea, some foresight, or just an idea of where you might take it is, I think, really important. Yeah. You might even say, I don't know if I'd be interested in selling my business, but maybe I would. That's right. Yeah. And especially when we're talking about people who are creating personal brands. If you're a coach, maybe, and it's under your name, that's going to be a lot harder to sell down the road, right? You're probably going to want to hold on to the domain name if it is your name, the business if it's your name. But if you're starting a company that you could see someone else being able to run down the road, it's not a bad idea just to think up some creative ideas of what you might want to do when that day comes. Just see ahead. Right. You brought up a good point. Like if your personal brand or your products, like name of your company and the style, let's say you make jewelry, for example, mm -hmm. and you're the artist behind all of your unique designs and your name is the name of the company and you were to leave... So that means your designing days are over for that brand. Yes. Is the company less valuable because the name was associated with a person who's no longer there? Not necessarily. A lot of the time when that happens, there's some element where the original owner is there in a way. So maybe you're not physically still writing the emails. You're not actually showing up at meetings or anything like that. But when you sell, you sell a certain right to allow your name to continue to be on the brand. So an email that's sent out, it, it may mention your name. Some businesses actually have a deal with the sellers 
that will allow them to use the seller's name writing that email. So it's as if they're still there at the wheel, even though they're long gone. And we see that a lot with blogs that became quite popular under a certain blogger's name. And then depending on the deal, we've seen them go where that blogger looks like they're still on the site. Her picture is still there. Blog posts are still coming out with her name. It still sounds like her voice, but she's off on a beach somewhere. She hasn't touched the business in years. She got her payday and off she went. Now that is not always the way it is. So when I sell a business, I don't put my personal name on it. And if my name was on it, at the time that I sell it, I take my picture off, I take my photo off, I put up a stock image of a person. So that way, my persona doesn't go with the business. And you as the seller of your business, if it's a jewelry business, you have that decision for how the business would go. Is your persona going with it? That's a legal thing that you get into with your broker and that gets put into the sale agreement so that all of those bases are covered. I think what you're saying is it doesn't matter. It's, it's a personal preference, really. But the value of your business doesn't go down if your name is connected and you're willing to let them continue with the name or if they rename it. I don't know. What do you say? Well, the value of the business doesn't go down. That's what I would say. A lot of time we actually see buyers asking if they can keep the seller's name on because that keeps the value with it in a way so that then they can continue running the business under that name. All of the people, the subscribers, the following, they either don't notice a disruption and the name continues. I was just going to say, I also think it depends on how active someone is. If you're the name of your business, but you're never showing up live on social, all your employees are maybe showing up. Yes. You know, if your face isn't all over as your person talking, so the live person, that can still continue because there are other elements of the business that aren't directly related with you. Absolutely. That are still related with the business. Yes. But I still think that if you're considering selling the business down the road, then you really want to think about whether you want to put your name as the company name. I think. Yeah, 100%. I mean, think it through. I mean, you're saying it could go one way, it could go the other, that's fine. But really, make it a conscious decision. Absolutely. Make it a conscious decision. And don't put your name on anything that you think you would intend to sell down the road. That's just how personally I would do it. I wouldn't sell my name with something because no matter what business I'm running, my name will be my business. So I can create all of these starter companies. I always give them their own name, a brand name. I wouldn't put my name on something that I know I'm going to sell. Right. So could you have an umbrella company that's your name and then the businesses are established under that name? Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's a great suggestion. Thank you for mentioning that. Okay, because then you still have your name on the business. But when you sell whatever the name of the business is, you've retained your name, but your name has been associated with that business up until the point that you leave. Yes, I guess it would be sort of like a subsidiary business that you would have that can be sold off that doesn't sell the rest of the company. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I think we've belabored that point enough, but it's important <laughs> in the industry of many of our listeners because they are the artists behind the product. Yes. Some of them are still sole proprietors. They haven't gone into LLCs or whatever. So it would be natural for them to think, oh, I'm just going to use my name. Yes. That was really a relevant thing to talk about. What are some other things that you think are important in the setup phase to be thinking about that are going to be important when you would sell your business down the road? That's a great question. So when you are thinking about potentially selling your business down the road, you're going to want to start tracking your profit and loss like you would, but you really want to make sure that you have every month tracked in a spreadsheet where money is coming from, how many sales you had, and exactly where the expenses are going. Because when you put your business up for sale, the buyers are going to need to see that before they ever consider making you an offer. They need the whole picture. So they're going to want to see the numbers. They're going to want to see screenshots from your Amazon, for example, the payments that you've received there and how you've been paid out, all of that stuff. You just want to keep a record of it and have it ready to go so that when you put it up for sale, it's easy for the buyer to see where they might be able to fit in the business, what expenses they can expect. And then what they can anticipate they would have to do to grow the business from where it's at currently. And you're also going to want to make sure that you have Google Analytics connected to your website. 
So your own website for this one, you're going to want to make sure that you're tracking from day one because every buyer is going to want to check the analytics to see that you really are getting the traffic that you say you are. And if you're selling physical products, I know physical products can often have quite a bit of expenses. So really having an itemized list of everything that you have to buy to run your business, every bit, if you're making jewelry, every little element that it takes to actually put that jewelry together. So last year, I sold a jewelry business. It was an Amazon FBA business. And the seller was so on top of every bit of her records that when it came time for me to take a look at everything and put together her profit and loss sheet and put together a package that a buyer would see, it was very streamlined and easy for me to see it. Someone who hasn't been there in the business, someone who is just looking at it for the first time, it all really made sense and it was easy to put it together for someone else. So those are the basics, I would say, that you'd want to make sure you have set up if you're thinking you're going to be selling. Okay, perfect. So profit and loss, virtually just doing standard regular bookkeeping. Yes. I mean, just what you should be doing overall anyway, right? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I tell the horror story about Somebody that I knew right in my local community, she had just opened her brick and mortar shop and I walked in, we were talking about me coaching with her and to my horror, she, we were talking about her numbers. She pulls out how she was tracking sales. It was all on a piece of paper and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you do your sales tax? She's like, I just add it all up every month. And I'm like, what if you get audited? Oh my gosh. And I know that exists and people are just getting started. And especially for her, there was so much. She was decorating the shop and the excitement was the shop, not the business Mm -hmm. stuff behind it. Right. And she since got all of her ducks in a row. So everything (laughs) was fine. (laughs) But I think this just talks about the importance of having it done properly. And it's so much easier when you put these things in place right at the start. Absolutely. You only have maybe two or three or four numbers to put in at the start and then more come and then more come versus having to try and retrofit, heaven forbid, all this data in. Definitely. And also another point I would add to that too is when you're working with all of this data, make sure that you start collecting email addresses from the beginning too. Not just your customers, but have some sort of free lead magnet that you're using to generate signups to your email list. So you're focusing on growing your list and building that relationship with your community through newsletters, because that is another really valuable asset that you will have in your business when it comes time to sell, when you can show that you have this list of active, engaged people who open your emails, that's really attractive to buyers as well. Right, for sure. Where we're at here in terms of things that are important to have already established in your business, let's get to now, like, let's say you're considering selling. Okay, so Mm -hmm. all the accounting in line, probably the processes to your point, where do you get the product? How much do you buy? Like all of that is partially in your accounting, right? But there has to be some way to track back so someone would know. Google Analytics, so how much business is being driven to your website, so the visibility of your company directly to your website. So you're saying, Chelsea, not Etsy, none of that, your website. Yes, it's always good to have, you know, you have your Etsy's and Amazon and everything, but you have to have your own home on your own website where you control everything. Right. And the Etsy stuff isn't for naught because those sales are going to show up in your overall sales numbers too. Yes. It all comes together. These are just the different elements. Then you talked about email addresses. And again, we've talked a lot here, Chelsea, about how important email is because you can contact them. You don't really own their email, but it's something that you can resource unless they opt out. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value to that. What do you say about social media followings? How important is that to a sale? To a sale, it's not as important as everything else, but it's a nice to have. So if your ideal customers are all on Instagram, and that's where you focus a lot of your marketing, then that's important. Everything, when you sell your business, you're selling everything. So you're selling your social media accounts. Everything goes with it as one nice package. And if you have engaged, active social followings with maybe 10,000 people or just throwing a number out, that's good. It looks nice and it just helps the overall sale, but it's not a necessity. So if you want to sell your business and you've never really focused that much on social media, that's okay. You're not going to not find buyers because you haven't been super active on social media. It's just a nice to have. Yeah. Well, I think it could tip the balance. I mean, I just kind of think 
no matter what, the numbers have to be solid, but people still also buy and invest. Like there's an emotional level too. And if they had an opportunity, all numbers being equal, let's say, and one company had a thousand Instagram followers and another had 40,000 Instagram followers, mm-hmm. I think they'd probably go because social credibility, we still put value on it. Whether they buy or not, we still put value on it. Yes. Overall, not as important as the other three, for sure. Not as important as your sales. So how much is your business making? That is the first thing that buyers will look at. So we understand what we should have in place. And we're going along our business. Everything's good. We're happy. And then we decide that now is the time where we want to consider selling the business. How do we figure out what the value of the business is? Yes. As a broker, that is what I do. I give business valuations to people. If you are interested in selling your business, you can go and I'll give you a free valuation at blogsforsale.co slash V-A-L, short for valuation. And we take a lot of things into consideration. But the typical standard that a buyer will pay is up to three years times your monthly revenue. So how much your business is making per month And it's usually between two and three years. So three years would be the higher end. Two years, we're seeing most businesses sell at the 24x multiple. So that means two years times your monthly revenue. Between two and three, that's standard. Monthly gross revenue? Yes. That is one of the things that we look at when we're doing valuations. And then we take everything else into consideration too. So we look at your traffic. We look at... Like we're saying, social media, we see what's going on in your social accounts. We look at the actual content on your website and on your sales pages. Depending if you have digital, physical products, we're looking at all of your marketplaces that you have. And we're really just putting everything together to give a good valuation that really makes sense and is within the market values. In addition to that, we're also going to look at reviews. So you're going to want to make sure that when you're ready to sell your business, your business is primed in a good light, right? So we want to go make sure you don't have a ton of bad reviews on Trustpilot or on your Facebook page. We just want to make sure that the business you're selling really is a legitimate good business. And once we take all of that into consideration, then we give you a report and a suggested listing price. And as a broker, all we can do is give you a suggestion based on the market value and all of the little elements that I was just mentioning there, really the selling price is completely up to you, the seller. So you can put it up for any price that you want, but we would recommend that you stay within that recommended range as that is what buyers are used to and what to expect. And we see sites, businesses sell for more than the asking. We see them sell for significantly less. There's so many factors that come into When you're actually, you're live, your listing is live and you're having negotiations and the broker, I take care of having to have meetings with potential buyers. We're taking all of that off of your plate. So we're having tons of emails throughout the day with interested parties. You are running your business. You don't have to worry about that. And then once we find a good buyer and there's potential there, there's an offer on the table. That's when we bring you in and we present an offer to you and you can meet the buyer and then you have the opportunity to accept, reject, or counter. And once everything is happy, then we go into the next phase, which I'm sure, Sue, you'll want to get more into that. But that is the listing process. Going back to the value of the business, I have three questions. Sure. One, what if you're a very inventory-rich business? So I have a product-based business also, and I hold a lot of inventory that's going to be needed to fulfill orders. Yes. So does that get calculated in? It sure does, yes. So when we sell physical product businesses, we take into consideration the actual inventory that comes with the business. And that could either be added into the valuation, so the buyer will be able to buy the business with a bonus of all of this inventory, or... Sometimes we have it where you have the price of the business and then you also have to buy the inventory off of the seller. But again, that is personal preference to the seller. I like to do it where there's just one price and the inventory is included. So the price is higher and the inventory is included. 
Right. Okay. And equipment, same thing. Exactly. Yeah. If you have a, a shop, a storefront, when it gets into that, then yeah, you're going to want to look at those assets and the actual things that are coming with the business or machines it takes to create the products, depending on what it is. Okay. And then digital assets. Yes. How is that valued? Yes. The digital space is what we specialize in. So we're talking digital products like courses, ebooks, membership sites, apps, things along that. Of course, there's no physical inventory for a digital product. But a lot of the time, it will come with students. Or if you have a membership, you have members. Maybe if it's an app or a software, there's people that are paying monthly for that access. So that is taken into the valuation on the digital side as well. Okay. And then what about future potential? Like, let's say you have a business that is right in line with the trends. There's a huge opportunity for maybe retail placement of the product. Like you can see the extension. It's very clear to see, but the current owner hasn't taken advantage of that yet. Yes. Is there anything there? So as far as the value, we can't value on potential. We can't put a price tag on what might happen in the future. We can only put the valuation on what has happened, the actual assets that are coming with the business and the actual sales that have happened. But if there is some standout opportunities there and there's some really exciting possibilities that we're seeing, we put that into the listing to let interested parties know about the potential. We're not putting it into the price. We're not saying that it'll be valued more because it might have these sales in the future, but we'll put it in actual text writing opportunities for the new owner. We're writing it out so that people can see what they may be able to do. But no, I'm not able to charge more on something that hasn't happened yet. That would be amazing, but we can't do that. <laughs> no, but that makes sense. And I do feel like it's showing, you know, if you're part of an industry and you see an opportunity, it shows potential and it gives them the vision for the path of what could be, yeah. which also could be the decision maker of whether they buy your business or they buy a different business. Absolutely. Yes. You definitely want to let people know what your ideas are, opportunities for growth. This is so interesting, Chelsea. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge <laughs> with us on this. So let's continue with the path we started down earlier. You shared with us how you do the valuation, what you put into all the numbers and what you would then present to a future or potential buyer. Mm -hmm. And then what happens from there? Like, what would we expect as someone buying a business and hiring you? What did I tell you? Super interesting episode, isn't it? We will get right back to it after a short break to hear from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Yes, absolutely. So if you are someone looking to buy a business, you would go and you can take a look at the listings. You can have a meeting with me to really discuss the ins and outs of the business. We can get the seller involved on the call so that you can really understand his or her reasons for starting the business, how they run it, and why they want to sell it. And usually the main reason that people want to sell is because they want to focus on other projects. Like you were saying, Sue, your passion as an entrepreneur isn't gone, but your passion in that particular business isn't where it used to be. And you've gone on to something else. So that is what we see as a main reason. When it comes time that you want to make an offer on a business, that part is easy. You just tell me the price that you'd want to pay. I present it to the seller. They have the opportunity to accept or decline or send you a counter. 
And then once we've reached a price and everyone's happy, then I provide the legal contracts of sale between the buyer and seller and I open an escrow account. And the escrow is used as a secure third-party holding. So this is so that I don't see your bank information and the buyer and seller don't see each other's banking information. That is all done through escrow where the buyer sends the money and escrow holds it. Once it's secured there and being held, we then, the broker and the seller, we then send all of the files over to the buyer. So that's the actual website, the domain, access to your Etsy account, access to your Amazon FBA or social accounts, everything that comes with the business. We just make sure that it gets to you securely and in a timely fashion. And then once you have everything on your side, you then go back to escrow. You mark that, yes, you've received everything. And then that releases the funds to the seller and it officially closes. And I always like to make sure that the sellers provide 30 days support to make sure that they can onboard and train the new owner and just be there to assist. And then for me, I'm there to help you at any step at any time. You can always send me an email. We can always have another follow-up meeting just to make sure that everything's rolling and you have everything you need. And I also provide online courses to help you with the next step so that you can take your marketing to the next level so that you can build out the WordPress site if your site is on WordPress and everything's sort of covered there to help you with the next step so you can really grow and get a really good return on your investment. Perfect. So we're kind of seeing the view from both sides, the seller and the buyer. And as you were talking, Chelsea, I was like almost tearing up thinking like, you know, when everything's done and you sign off, you know, this company that you've built, right? And how you feel in your heart for all the reasons you're deciding you're going to go somewhere else. But like, it's got to be pretty emotional for the seller. Yes, it is. It's emotional, especially the first company that you sell, the one that you grassroot built yourself from your bedroom. That's always going to be the hardest one to see go. But when you've made that decision that you know you've given it your all and now it's reached a point where it should go to someone else and they can really run with it, then it's the right time. You know that it's a good thing. And especially then when you get that big payment into your bank account from escrow, it's a great day. You're popping a bottle of champagne. You're jumping around the room with your family. It's a very happy day when that happens. Yeah. Well, and then it's turn around, face forward, and where are you going next? That's right. Yes, you have that money that you can put towards your next adventure. Yeah. What type of a percentage does a broker take? Is there like a range? Yeah, it's usually anywhere from 15 to 25%. I do 20% if the deal is under $100,000. So that's when we have the smaller businesses and the content sites. And then when it's a larger business over $100,000 selling price, then it goes to 15%. Got it. And what about if you enter into a business and it's a disaster? There's no records. They have none of the information put together. Do you even take on a client like that or what happens then? Well, I give everyone a spreadsheet that I've made. So I try to make it as easy as possible. Some folders that you can go around and collect what you need to do before I can sign you on as a client. So I provide resources to help you get there. And I'll show you how to add me to your Google Analytics. I have everything kind of streamlined. So if someone isn't as organized, I can give you that little push to help you get organized so that we can get your listing up. If someone just straight up says, oh, I, I can't do it, then I'm not going to be able to take them as a client because if you can't get your records together to sell, you're never going to be able to sell. So it would not work out, I don't think. So, But I've never run into that. That's good to know. Yeah. And probably people who don't have their records put together aren't even really ever thinking about selling. They're just closing. That's right. Yes. Is there any business that should never think about selling just shut down? Well, I mean, if you're doing something that you think is obsolete, if it's a business that just can't work, that you don't see a way a possibility. Like you to run its course. Yeah, like it's run its course, or maybe it's a very in-person style company that now with COVID right now, it's just not possible. But I never like to think that something is not possible. I feel like there's always a way to figure it out. And maybe we can't see it because we're in the mix, we're in the day-to-day -day running the business, but maybe someone else from the outside could see where they could 
fix it or develop it. If it's a business, there's still customers. Yes. Maybe. (laughs) There's still social media. I mean, you might pivot with the product even. That's a good point. Yes. Could just be a pivot. And I think what 2020 taught us was the art of the pivot. I mean, we all had to figure out a way to make things work when suddenly everything changed and everything went online or we weren't able to even go get our groceries. I mean, we had to get really good at being able to pivot. So it's a good exercise to do regardless. Yeah, boy, isn't that the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Any mistakes that come to mind that you commonly see when someone is looking at selling their business? Let's go that angle. One thing that really stands out, and I do have to remind people sometimes, once they've put their business up for sale, they're not out yet. So a lot of times people will put up for sale and then they just mentally, they move on from it. But you really have to still run your business while it's yours and especially while it's up for sale. You want to continue making sales. You want to continue driving traffic to your website or to your marketplaces. You want to make sure that you're still running the business actively. Just because it's up for sale, that's not the time to check out because People who are going to be looking at your business, they want an active business. They don't want an abandoned business. So you just have to remember that it's not sold yet and just keep hanging in there and running the show. Which brings up another point. What about employees? Yes. Well, I'm just wondering if you have employees, they may or may not be interested in staying with the business if it's sold. They may be working for you because they like the relationship you have. They're not interested in having a new boss for a number of different reasons, right? So where does that fall in the realm? I actually have a couple of questions for employees. Let me start with what's the value or do retention of employees play a role anywhere in the negotiations? They absolutely do. If you have employees, then a lot of the time that will be put into the sale agreement And you often will want to make sure that you are either including the opportunity for your employees to stay on. When you put your business up for sale, if it's a larger company, a lot of times companies don't want their employees to know that the business is for sale. So that's when we wouldn't put the name of the business up. There'd have to be an NDA that buyers sign before they even see anything about the business. And that is done just because a sale could take a long time and you don't want your employees to think, oh, no, the new owner might come in and fire me because we don't know what's going to happen yet. And I think that if you just lead from a place of you have an idea of how long it's going to take for you to sell and you can expect that it could take six months to a year, when you actually get to the point where you are in negotiations with a serious buyer, then that's when you're going to talk to them about, well, what are their plans for the company? Are they going to want to keep the employees on? Do they have their own team? And you just kind of play it by as things progress. And every company will be different. So I'm not able to just give a flat answer to that because it really depends on the individual business structure. And we also see a lot of in the digital space, we see companies that have virtual assistants. So they're not full-time employees and they work remotely. But the buyers, they always ask, will your virtual assistant be willing to stay on? Can I keep her or him on for a certain time? And that's just, then you just straight up ask your virtual assistant. You say, hey, I'm thinking of selling this business and I know that the buyer would be interested in keeping you on. Would you be open to that? No pressure. You just work one-on-one with them. And obviously any contracts that are in place, you know, all of that. Yes. Yeah, I was just thinking about employees. It is difficult from an emotional standpoint. Like, when do you tell them? What do you say? You don't want to blindside people, but then you don't want to tell them too early. That's a delicate dance, I think. Definitely. Yeah, because you don't want to tell them too early and then they start looking for another job and maybe you're not actually going to sell for another year. And then you have people with one foot out the door. You wouldn't want that. Right. I did a blog post years ago now. It was for my other company. My other company is called The Ribbon Print Company. And it's the best. We have the best customers, everything. And I did, it was actually a YouTube video. It's still up today. And it says, I'm moving on. And it had to do with what was coming next in the business. So enhancement. But people freaked out. (laughs) Oh, because they thought you were leaving. Yes. And literally, they totally freaked out, which (laughs) 
in a way is good. So first I have to say, anyone who is a ribbon print customer of ours, I am not looking at selling the business right now anyway, (laughs) not for years. So don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. Because I really do feel like I have to say that. But there is something to that, I think, too, in terms of who's leading. And if they leave, what's going to happen to sales? What if customer service isn't the same? What if all the systems are different? I don't know. I'm thinking from a personal perspective right now, but as a seller, if ever I decide to do that, I feel a loyalty to my customers. But if I don't own it anymore, I'm expecting the person who buys it to take care of them. Yes, absolutely. And the same with the people on your email list or in your Facebook group who you've built a relationship with. I sold a mental wellness blog last year. It was one that I bought and I developed and I sold it. And while I was running it, I connected with so many people in the Facebook group. And when it was time to sell, that was a very crucial point that anyone that I met with, any interested buyers, I said, these people in this group, they are such an amazing community. If you come in and you take over this business, I need to know that you are going to nurture that relationship and answer their questions. And you'll have someone there to support them. You're going to want to think about all of the people that have come around and rallied around your business because those people, yeah, they do go with the business too. I'm kind of wondering, again, with my scenario, what if you sold the business and to your point, you you kind of stick around for 30 days to help out? Mm -hmm. What if the roles reversed and they paid you or your employees a salary for 60 days just to make sure everyone's okay? Yes, Something like that. So you can do creative. I'm sure like anything, it's like buying a house, like you write things into the contract, right? That's right. You customize it the way that you want to do it. So when you're working out a deal, you as the seller of the business, you have the creative right to put in anything that you want to make sure that you're getting the deal that you want. Mm -hmm. Okay, really interesting. In summary, I think now, what would you say to somebody who is just starting their business? Having listened to this, and what would be the advice for that newbie in terms of best advice for a future sale? Well, I would say, first of all, go you. That is amazing that you're starting a business out there. Please keep on doing it. That is the best thing is when you're creating your own business and put your blinders on and just do the work, but really take time to enjoy it. And if you're thinking, hey, maybe I have an exit plan, maybe I won't be running this forever. Like we mentioned, the basic things that you would be doing anyway, like keeping track of your records and your profit and loss and building your list, that's all really important. But also just think about how you can create a really cool product, whether it's digital or physical, the really amazing, helpful product that you have that doesn't necessarily rely on you being the one to be able to provide it. So something like coaching services, one-on-one type things where you are the person that serves the customer, that is going to be harder to sell. Not impossible, but it's definitely harder. So what can you create in addition to that? Like an online course, like an ebook, or like we're talking about jewelry businesses, something where you can teach someone to make the thing that you make. That's always going to help you In the end, when it comes time to sell, thinking about someone else being able to come on and be you and take on your responsibilities without you actually having to be there. Perfect. Love that. And I'm also thinking like guides, depending on what your jewelry, candles, cupcakes, special secret recipes, things like that. Things that can be duplicated, but not by you. Yes. All of that. Okay. So now I'm going to switch it up on you here, (laughs) Chelsea. (laughs) What about someone who's listening and is like, oh, no, like I have none of this in place. My business is 40 years old. (laughs) I better get things in line because you never know about the future. So what do you say to that person? It's never too late to get organized. You can start now. If you're just listening now and you realize you haven't been doing this stuff, don't freak out. You have not failed. Just start putting things together. Start keeping track of things moving forward. And whether you're going to sell or not, it's just good to do, good to keep things organized. And like I say, you can just start at any time. Okay, so no excuses. It's not too late. Just start. Just do it. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) And honestly, everything that you've talked about are good, solid, foundational business practices to have in place anyway. If you're thinking of putting them in place because you've heard the podcast and you think you should for potential sale, 
it might also do a world of good for your business overall today when you put it in place. For sure. Wonderful. Chelsea, this has been amazing. Where can people go to learn more about you? Well, thank you so much again for having me. This has honestly been so much fun. I am on blogsforsale.co. So that's blogsforsale.co. That is the marketplace where you can go and buy businesses or sell your business. You can go there. I'll give you a free valuation if you want some tips and advice for potentially selling. And I also have a website at herpaperoot.com. That is where I share marketing and online business development growth hacking tips. We dig into funnels. We dig into email, list building, lead magnets, all that great stuff that your business, we all need it. So it's all there. And I would love it if you also checked out my podcast, the Her Paper Root Podcast. But thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Take care, Chelsea. Thank you. You too, Sue. Well, now you're a whole lot wiser about what's behind the sale of a business. As you've heard, putting some of the things in place that would add value to the sale of your business are also solid business practices regardless. You never know what the future holds. And talking about the future... I want you to specifically mark your calendar for next week. You're going to learn some eye-opening things about how you may be unintentionally guiding your prospects away from a sale. Seriously, this is perhaps the biggest game-changing episode for you so far. And finally, I want to slip in another reminder that you have only a short time to sign up for my free class, How to Turn Your Handmade Products into an Income-Producing Business. Go to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash masterclass. There you'll see all the details and be able to register. Thank you again for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the podcast, a rating and review would mean the world to me and helps the show get seen by other makers. So it's a great way to pay it forward. Also, make sure to follow the podcast so new episodes will automatically be downloaded to your phone. That way you don't miss a thing, including next week's super important special episode. And now be safe and well. And I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week to get reaction from other people and just for fun because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today 